Visit Arcade Club, Europe's largest classic arcade, with over 200 video and pinball machines, there's classic consoles and computers, there is also PS4s, Xbox Ones, Wii U, PC and Oculus Rift, and regular tournaments and competitions. All machines are set to free play. Open Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays. Check out arcadeclub.co.uk for more details. Tenpence Arcade are proud members of the Throwback Network and the Retro Junkies Network. Welcome to the Tenpence Arcade Podcast. My name's Victor Marlins, and I'm joined by my bearded co-host... Sean in your face, Holly. What's up with your voice, Vic? I'm debuting my London fuck voice. Is oh, it all right? It's all right, mate, yeah. Lovely. <laughs> and we are delighted to be doing this podcast about our love of the old arcades and arcade... I can't keep up that long. Arcade games. Welcome yeah. to the Tenpence Arcade Podcast. <laughs> right, first things off the bat... Apologies for last two weeks ago's recording, where we were still slightly inebriated from the night before, and that silly, ridiculous, lovely whiskey we were drinking. Yes. And I recorded it on the wrong mic. What a (laughs) dork I am. Sorry about that. I think it came out okay in the end, listenable just, apart from our droning voices, but very sorry about this. Hopefully we're on the right mics this week. It looks like we are, and it sounds like we are. It's amazing we got in the right room, actually, that morning, isn't it? Yeah, I tried to do it in the bathroom, but I couldn't find a mic. I was talking to the top of a decodent can, and it wouldn't work. No. Any road up. Since those marvellous times, what have you been up to? What have I been up to? After the last podcast, we went to Smarty Martin's meet in Fleet in Hampshire, which was excellent, wasn't it, Vic? A meet in Fleet. A meet in Fleet. It was a lot of fun, actually. It was, it was all read. All right, for the meeting fleet. Three primes. Yes, that's some really amazing, rare, old black and white games he had, and they're in excellent condition. Fire Truck. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. I didn't play Fire Truck because I was feeling a little queasy, and it might have made me feel worse. Yeah. But I did play a bit of Centipede, and I played his video pinball, Atari video pinball. That is the grooviest 70s machine I've ever played. It is good. It's even got a guy with a big bouffant haircut and flares on the play field. Mm. absolutely amazing it's got it's got like a backdrop on it which is mirrored from the from the top of the cab on the inside of the top of the cab mirrored down mm. and it's got all these like leds and backlights and it's got little 3d foam pieces so when you're looking down onto the, the mirror you're seeing all that as well as the video um in the background of it, the monitor in the back with just the flippers and the ball and the little pieces you're hitting with the pinball it's so cool i really really would like to own that cabinet I nearly stole it, but people might have noticed, the 20 people that were there. It's a a great idea for a game. I don't know how they thought of that back in 78. It plays really well as well, doesn't it? Yeah, because I think before that, they were were pinball games, but they were actually paddle games, weren't they, really, when you think about them? Yeah, more like Pong type of things. Yeah, yeah, that one was, and still is, excellent. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think it's because of the 3D backdrops, and also... When I first played one in America, I thought that they hadn't, they hadn't bolted the control panel down properly because the control panel was moving around. Yeah. That's actually a tilt function. So when your ball's coming down and it's going to go in a trough, you can just move the thing around. You can judder it a little bit, yeah. and it, it'll tilt it and move it across. Yeah. If, you, if you do it too much, I think it does actually come on the screen tilt and everything stops, so you lose mm. your ball. It's really clever, especially for 1978 as well. How cool is that? I know, I know. And someone in America, 
I think, got one of these, and they themed it with Tron. They changed all the backdrops and everything, and all the side art, and did a Tron-themed one. Yeah. Very cool indeed. So also, we spoke to a lot of people there, nice to speak to, and there was a guy there called Atari Tubin and his wife, who came all the way from California. From America. From America. Yeah. I think they were doing a tour of the UK and, and bits of Europe anyway, but it just so happened they were going to be around on that day. Mm. Really nice to meet those two. Lovely people. I also managed to work out with the help of Chris Parsons, who's known as CNP, there's some kind of weird problem with my Vectrex cart, because I brought my Vectrex along and my mm. SD cart with the, you know, all the games on it for Vectrex. Because I was having this problem with all the te- some of the text on some of the games is upside down. And no one on the Atari... On the, um, Vectrex Unite fans Facebook site had heard it before. It's like, what's going on? I think my, my Vectrex is just a bit of an idiot. And I took it there and I put it in Chris's as well, my car, and it does the same on his. So it's not my Vectrex. My Vectrex mm. is normal. And it's the car. There's something wrong with the car. So I don't know what's going on there. Did you put it, put it in upside down? That would explain it. That's exactly what it is, isn't yeah, it? You crazy fool. <laughs> you <laughs> I don't know, but some of the games are absolutely fine and some aren't. It's usually the homebrew ones I have a problem with. The original sort of games, you know, that were released back in the, the 29 or 30 that were, that were officially released for it are absolutely fine. Mm. You know, stuff like Berserk and Scramble and all that and, and Mindstorm is absolutely brilliant. But just the, I think it must be something to do with the homebrew program. Maybe they're doing some tricks that that cart of mine doesn't like. I don't know. Mm. don't know. But also, I had the pleasure of playing his game that he's working on, Big Blue. Yes, I've played it's that. It's Sharky game. Mm. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? Do you yeah. remember a game on the 8-bit computers called Scuba Dive? I never played it, but I remember reading about it. And it's a cool little game, and it really reminds me of that, and it's such a great little game. Mm. I really like it. I gave him a few ideas that I hoped would help, and it's not to do with harpoons and torpedoes that you were putting in. I, I was saying <laughs> that when, when the shark comes towards you, he should open his mouth, maybe, to show his teeth. And maybe when you yeah. get near the, the shark, there's a... I think you might have some copyright issues with that, but he took my ideas on board anyway, and hopefully he's going to do some of those things. But absolutely brilliant game. I love the fact that someone can make a game for these old machines we were playing in our youth. You know, you thought all the yeah. big companies were only be able to do this, but nowadays not everyone's doing it, but every clever programmer's doing it, and it's absolutely marvellous. Oh, mm. oh, 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 talking about, talk oh, about Vectrex. I know we have a bit of a Vectrex thing now, because it's almost an arcade machine. Have you seen yeah. the preview for Vector Patrol? No. You've not seen it? No. There's a special mode on there. You know that on, um, on Vector Pilot, there's special little modes. Like there's an extra level at the end. On Vector Patrol, which is the Moon Patrol clone, there's a bit in it. Instead of being a little moon buggy with your bouncing wheels, you're a cowboy on a horse. <laughs> That's a good idea. It's the same game, but you're playing a cowboy. It's really, really cool. I cannot wait to buy that. Oh, I am, I'm going to throw my money at him until he gives it to me. Give me it! Let me have it! It looks really, really good. He doesn't do games very often, that guy, but when he oh, does, so they polished. are top They notch. are polished. You can hardly yeah. see them. They're so shiny. Another thing I've been doing lately, I went to see Alex the other day, because um, when we came back from Martin's house, stupidly, I left one of my PCBs. I left my Kung Fu Master there in the machine. I think the I, it wasn't quite my fault. I'm going to blame it on a small child. When I, when I was just about to take it out, Martin's little boy was playing Kung Fu Master, and he said, no, no, I've got to go. And I said, no, no, let him play for me. Let him play. Don't worry about it. I'll get it in a second. And I completely forgot about it. So I've left yeah. that there, and Alex left his glasses there. And we came home, <laughs> and he dropped me off, which was very kind of him, and took my stuff out of his van. And I sort of I got a message from, I think, from Simon and Martin saying, oh, you've left your PCB, and Alex left his glasses. I said to Alex, oh, you left your glasses, you fart. 
And he went, oh, no. And I said, I'll have to go and get them. I said, no, you'll be all right, won't you? He said, no, I need them to see. So he had to go back all the way to Fleet. Another half hour there and half hour back. So he picked my PCB up as well, thank you. But yeah, we left things there, which is a bit daft. Mm. But when I went around to his house the next couple of days to pick up the PCB, he said, oh, can you have a quick look at my... Um, my Space Firebird cocktail cab. I've got no sound on it. I said, yeah, all right, I'll have a quick look. I don't probably do anything about it, but I'll have a quick look. So I went upstairs, and I had a quick look at it, but we're going to use that for the tech tips. I thought that's quite a good little tech tip, actually. So we'll get onto that a little bit later on mm. in the segment. But it went all well, and I played Balloon Fight on his Nintendo Red Tent Versus cab. Oh, my goodness, we've got to play that. When you come down here next, we should go and see Alex for a special visit. And we'll play against each yeah. other on it. It's so much fun. It's one of the most fun <laughs> yeah. games I've played on a video game ever. Honestly. It's mm. such a cool little game. And it differs from the NES version quite a bit. Those arcade versions differed. They made them a little bit different. Yeah. And I've heard it's that. So, yeah. It's better than Joust. That's a bit mm. of a clangor, isn't it? Better than Joust. Joust is, Joust is an acquired taste. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. It's in a cocktail at Arcade Club. It plays well on that. Yeah. Quite good sitting next to people playing it side by side instead of either end of the Absolutely, cocktail but table. With the Nintendo Versus or the Red Tent, you play across from each other. One person sits one side and you've got a video screen of your own. You're not looking down onto it. And you can see the other person yeah. playing with you on your screen. Oh, it's so much fun, honestly. We, we were laughing our <laughs> socks off playing it. It was brilliant. And the thing with that is the things you may not like about Joust, if you don't like the Williams style or the difficulty level, has been completely fixed in a Nintendo version. It's really, really good. Mm. Oh, good. I would buy, if I had a chance, to buy a Red Tent just to play that game. I'd leave that in there at all times. Mm. But there's lots of other fun games. We were, we were going to play Wrecking Crew. And in Wrecking Crew, you can go through doors. And when you go through doors, you go to the other person's screen, apparently. So you're like going yeah. through the machine. It's very clever. But we didn't have time to play it. So next time, I'm going to play that. Next time. Definitely. Wow. Well, what have I been up to? Tell me. I was listening to the last RG, well, one of the previous RGDS podcasts, Mm -hmm. our friend Andy Godoy, and Jonathan King's on it. He's one of the co-hosts, and he challenged me to a game of Dodonpachi, a high-score game. Challenge accepted! So we had a quick go over Twitter. Mm Um, I, I did beat him. He got about five over five million. I got nearly eleven. And Mad Stee was playing. He got nearly eleven. Then Phil V eighty five come along. How dare they come along? You, stealing your thunder. He's he's uh, really good at the bullet houses, mm. Phil. And also he's unofficial world record holder on kicker, isn't it? Kicker. Don't mention that. Oh yeah, thanks for bringing that up. It's, yeah, you beat you. Well, I'm good at that game. <laughs> Oh, yeah, cheers, mate. Put me in a bad mood. So Phil, Phil V got 14.8 million. And then Mr. Steve Radis come on. He says, oh, I played that a few years ago. Have a look at my YouTube. Mm. So I watched his YouTube, 67 million. Did you look at it first and thought, oh, yeah, 6.7 million? Hold on a minute. No, no. So that shut us all oh, up. He knows the secrets, though, doesn't he? He's a robot from another planet. <laughs> he is, I think. Mm. Speaking of those RGS guys... I was ill a little while back. I had a bit of a touch of the flu, a proper flu, which sort of knocked me right out. I had to have a few days off work. It's not their fault. All I all I craved was to be in the bath. So I put one of my bath bombs in, my girly yeah. bath bombs, which are lovely, and I had a pink bath. And joining me in the bath, sort of, was yeah. uh, Karen and Andy from the RGDS podcast. I was listening to them on my phone on the side of the bath, and I listened to their podcast about Viewpoint. They did Let's Play Viewpoint. Yeah, I did. Very good. Garen can get to level five. 
mm. on that kryptonite-coated carbide game. What's mm. wrong with him? He must be a hell of a player to do that. He's an isometric robot from another planet. I think he must be. Mm. From the planet of the robot monsters, maybe. Yes. Yeah, really interesting uh, podcast. It's nice to listen to someone's podcast of a game you've done, in case you miss mm. any, or they've got their, their different interesting thoughts on it. I really enjoyed yep. that. Mm. It's pretty good. Well... Guess where I went last night? I had an excellent night, Arcade Club. Did you go to the ballroom to do a tango? No, that was Wednesday, sir. I bet it was. Yeah, Arcade Club. I've got a lovely-looking new Stargate. Ooh, Defender 2. Andy is building a Williams wall, a wall of Williams. So I think he's got a blaster coming in that Duramold. Oh, really? bizarre-looking Duramold cabinet. Awesome. And we had a great time. I was playing Flicky with uh, one of Tronad's mates. I met him last night called Mark. We should talk about this later. Mm. And it was an epic battle. That sounds, that sounds a lot of fun. Sort mm. of. Sort of. And guess who was round the corner thrashing the pants off asteroids yet again? Did, did, he, did he take asteroids' pants off and hand it to them on a plate? Yes, I think he did. Charlie Farr yep. got to one million points on asteroids. Oh, my giddy aunt. My aunt is so giddy, she just fell over. <laughs> I can hear her. Yeah. Two-hour uh, two game. Wow. On asteroids. My games last two minutes. I know. He got to a million. Oh, my Lord. And we were all crowding around watching, and he said, right, that's it. I've done it now. And he had seven or eight lives. Really? Just let, yeah, just let him trail off. Oh. I think a million and 19,000 he got in the end. Wow. And he was on such good form. He then went on to Berserk. Yeah. Slow Bullets. Slayed that as well. 85,000. <laughs> Which has got to be, that's got to be hour and a half game as well. If we had one of those things in this country of Gamer of the Year, I think Charlie Farr would easily win it. He just mm. seems to be good on everything he touches. Yeah. I've gone off him a bit. I think the three <laughs> the three best players I know personally are Paz, yeah. Paul Paz Greenall, Charlie Farr, mm-hmm. and Steve Radis. There's some Radis on the shooters yeah. and the gun games. They're the three people I know personally who I think are like just good on so many different games. We'd better give him a little bit of a mention, but Tronads, Mr. David Tronads, is very good on games as well. No, he's not. No. 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 Well, I, I know a guy, a friend of mine, called uh, Robot Greg, Greg Mott, and yeah. he sadly doesn't go on the forums anymore and he's sort of gone off the boil a bit on the, the arcades. I think he went over to pinballs because he's very fond of mm. pinballs and he is an excellent player. He could get like millions of points on Robotron, millions of points on Defender, 900,000 on Centipede. Just, just games he was just amazing at. He'd just pick up and just play them brilliant. And I used to say to him, Greg, Greg, what's the secret? How do you do it? How do you do it? Practice. Mm. Practice. But he grew up. Russ Jay's another good guy. Yeah, yeah. But Greg grew up on the Isle of Wight, and he used to go to Arcadia nearly all the time when he was a kid. So he had all the games there in arcade form that he could play whenever he liked. Brilliant. So, yeah, you know, I think it helps, I think, growing up with them. Mm. Mega scores, though. Absolutely mega scores, Charlie. Hopefully, Charlie Farr will be going to Nerg with us this year. Yeah, I hope so, yeah. Yeah, we can sort of uh, get him doing a world record live. That'd be absolutely awesome. You can get the Galaxian world record or something like that. Yeah, he's at, I think he's either purchased or he's looking for a, a dedicated Galaxian board because he's only playing on. Okay. He's playing on Groovy Mame in his candy cab at the moment. Yeah, he needs a proper board. Well, yeah. we should, someone should be able to sort him out a board. If anyone's got a board for Charlie Fodder, a million points on, please let us know. I don't know if he's got one or he's getting one. I, I was um, didn't listen because he was spell spellbounding, spellbinding. Yes. Sp- you were spellbounded, it did. He did. spelled me on the asteroids. I bet it was such a good feeling having all those people around him sort of cheering mm. him on. It's really nice when that happens. 
There were only like five or six, but it was still, you know, the atmosphere that he's going to do it. He's going to get a million, you know. Wow. I remember when I was at Funspot for my 40th birthday that wife organized for me. And I was watching this guy playing Donkey Kong. And I come back and I thought, this guy's good at it. He was on like about 600,000 or so. I thought he's going to kill screen this in a minute. And there's loads of people watch, standing around watching it at the end. And he actually kill screened it in front of everyone. Wow. I talked to him afterwards and he said, I said, oh, I noticed you weren't point pressed. He said, no, I just wanted to kill screen. I just wanted to get on and do it. My mate was waiting for me. I just wanted to do it at fun spot. Mm. That's like the place to do it. You know, when you've done it there, it's like quite kudos. And he did it. That's amazing. It was absolutely brilliant. Mm. I have to explain the asteroids. One of the asteroids cabs at arcade clubs has got a high score save kit in it. So the points don't roll over at 100,000. So you can see the score going up. Yeah. And also it saves the scores, obviously. So I, I thought that was a bit weird when I saw a million points because I didn't think it could hold mm. that. But obviously the, the high score kit fixes that little problem. Mm. And it's saved there for prosperity. No one ain't going to be that. <laughs> well, don't, not me, that's for sure. Nor me. Right, tonight, what I've been up to, this is going into the future like a clever thing. Okay. I'm, off, I'm off to the Batcave, the monthly Batcave meet. Tonight's competitions are Goldeneye. Okay. Some kind of gun competition game thing on that. Is that like a four-player four thing? That's a split screen, isn't it, Goldeneye? Yeah. Okay. Pac-Man Championship Edition DX. There's some kind of competition on that. Is that the one we played with the Game Boys? No, that's not. The DX is the new one. Okay. That well, newish one that appeared on PS3 and Xbox 360. Yeah, awesome. Or you know something like that. Yeah, I really like those new modern Pac-Mans because they're they're quite competitive and they're a lot of fun to play with other players. Yeah, it's very quick and and there's a pulsing soundtrack and the colours changing. Yeah, and also Pokemon Red and Blue running on a sneeze, a sneeze. Um, How much interest do I have in Pokemon? None. Absolutely none. I've never played Pokemon, never been interested in it. My kids were really into it at the time, back in those days. Yeah. And it's just kept going, hasn't it? I went when mm. I was in America, I was in ooh, it might have been Texas. It was in a mall, and there was a, a shop, a whole shop dedicated to Pokemon. Ooh. I was like, what? People people in there were wearing Pokemon hats and you get T shirts and bags and cards and I was like, Oh my goodness, really? But there was they were in a big a big mall, so obviously they were paying the rent. They were buying selling stuff, so still work, still lots of fans out there for it. A big disappointment appeared. It was extremely effective. That's Pokemon taught that. Okay. I think. Anyway, shall we move on to arcade news? News from around the world, local areas, maybe not local and some other places. Arcade News! I'm matched in his grim determination to deliver the news. Paperboy does daily battle with the forces of darkness and evil. Right, the first one I found, Ice Cold Kong. Mm. And for anyone in the know, that's exactly what it sounds like. Someone has made their version of Ice Cold Beer, the mechanical game, and they've made a video version of it on a big, large LCD screen. But instead of doing it with the the beer theme or the root beer theme for the kids, they've done a Kong version of it. And the guy who did this is Riddick Rick. And Mm. he is famous for doing all the artwork and I think the, the actual home version of fix it felix jr when the film just after the film came out and yeah. he is an amazing artist he mm, must, be, he must be a graphic artist by trade 
because he's done all the artwork for his Kong. He's done all the sort of graphics and everything. And the game works on two joysticks, and it's all mecha- it's all screen rather than mechanical. And it plays all the sounds, and it's the, all the Kong bits in the background, and it's totally Kong themed, and it is absolutely amazing. Please look mm. at the show notes. There's a video on there, or a clickable link to a video. Go and have a look at it, and look at Riddick Rick's other things. I subscribe to his YouTube channel, and it shows him doing his artwork and and, and sticking the artwork on the pieces of Perspex. And the guy is amazing. He's so quick at it. Obviously, he mm. does it for a living, but I was just blown away by it and all the little projects he's done. He's got a ton of Nintendo cabinets in all different colors with different themes. Absolutely amazing. And I've spoke to Riddick Rick. And I'm going to get an interview with him soon. So that would be really Excellent. interesting. Yeah, really, mm. really cool. It's such a good little game as well. And I think when he's actually completed his game, he's going to release the code for the game so you can play it at home. Or mm. make your own little themed machine up. Because remember Etienne did one at the Eurocade with Ice Cold Beer. He did a little tiny one. Yeah. But yeah, really, really clever. Absolutely brilliant. I love it. I love it when people do little home projects like that. Yeah, that's written in, kind of written in a program called Visual Pinball. which That's people- right, yeah people used to do the pinball emulations Uh uh-huh that's right really clever he adapted it yeah it's a clever little game i used to play like a lot of old sort of pinballs on it that are fairly fairly decent kind of emulation you know nothing like the real thing but a a nice approximation nice talking to pinballs talking to pinballs how about that for a sing seg segue that's those things you drive around and fall off isn't it it is so, segue away, young man. There has been an 8-ball deluxe pinball table on e- eBay, you were saying. Thanks to my friend Titesh for sending this me this news. Went for £450. That's an absolute bargain, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I looked at this, because I've heard you say about it before. It's like, it's sort of um, pool-themed, isn't it? Yeah, it is my favourite table. I love the speech on it, and I love this. It's a very simple, effective table. I think it looks odd as well. The back, um, the back box is like split into two. It's very weird shaped pinball, isn't it? No, not well, split into two. I mean, it's sort of like it's a different shape to normal. So I looked at it, and it looks quite cool. And I know you were on about it, but four hundred and fifty pounds—that's an absolute bargain. Mm. I think it was in quite good shape. There might have been a few little things wrong with it, which wouldn't take too much to fix. I think. I don't think I'd ever buy a pinball. Not unless yeah. it came with like a technician in a box. You could just get him out. Yeah. Fix this. There's seven miles of wire under this. Can you fix it, please? And yeah, then fix absolutely. it and get, get back in his box, even the custard cream, put him in there. Fine. Yeah. I think the more modern tables have got a lot of diagnostics and they're, they're pretty bulletproof. And they'll usually. Diag what? Diagnostics. Blinking heck. That's some kind of pasta, isn't it? Yeah. And I think they, they basically tell you what's wrong and you just replace little modular bits on it. So it'll say like a lamp here is broken or a, a solenoid here is re- needs replacing and then you just do it and it sorts itself out, I think. But the older ones are a bit more complicated. I'd be a bit scared, I think. A lot of mm. voltages underneath those pinballs as well. A lot of lots mm. of volts. Yeah, yeah. Also, you've put next more VGS news. We, there's a now a new video game console coming out called the Coleco Chameleon, which is the follow well kind of the remake of the retro what's it called vgs yeah yeah retro video game system from the same guys and you've put i have opinions on this i do have opinions on this um well when the retro vgs came out it's a really good guy called socal mike who was developing it and he does a, a magazine in america which is really really popular his own homebrew magazine which you can buy in the bookshops and he's a really good guy does a lot for the community 
absolutely brilliant. You know, he's known by a lot of podcasters, known by a lot of people in the collecting industry. He's got big collections, blah, blah, blah. Really cool guy. And he wanted to make a video game with cartridges. His big thing was, I'm going to do it with cartridges. All the games are going to come out on a cartridge, finished. Like mm. the decent homebrews, you know, nowadays. But he's going to get um, official publishers to do games for it and indie publishers and all this sort of stuff. And the idea was to have them on cartridge. So they came on a cartridge, you plugged it in, it worked. You played it, it was that simple. Mm. You know, you got a little box with it, you got a nice little manual, all that sort of stuff. And his idea was like, well, that's a really good idea. A lot of people sort of went... Mm, well, it probably won't work these days. And personally, I don't think it will, unfortunately, because everyone who plays the old cartridge games, like the Mega Drives and the SNES and the Game Boys and all that sort of stuff, who like to buy stuff, like to collect, it's already there. It's already made. And the biggest factor in all of it is nostalgia. You're playing games you played when you were a kid. You're collecting things you never had as a child and you can afford now and you know where to get them from and they're cheaper and all this sort of stuff. And I think with with a modern console now with cartridges and also the price point of them, I think it would have been too expensive. And I think the price of the actual machine that was bandied around was way too high. And also another big thing that people were getting on about was there was no working prototype. Mm. And people were sort of whining on about that a lot. And the thing that really bothered me out the whole lot, I think the idea is a really cool idea. Unfortunately, maybe not functional idea. But the way everyone got on this on the internet, everyone jumped on it and gave it a really hard kick in. And I don't like that. I hate the negativity of it. And they they just really got on it and just crushed it into the ground and crushed this guy's spirits. And I was thinking, God, leave the poor guy alone. He's just trying to do something. If he doesn't do it, fair enough. People will vote with their wallets. They won't buy it or whatever. And I don't think it got anywhere near the funding it needed. Mm. But now he's brought it back with the branding of Coleco. And it's, that's the old Connecticut leather company, which made the old ColecoVision. And Ooh, I think yeah. it's just name only. Because it's, it's like Atari mm-hmm. was sold onto different people. And it's just a name only. But it's got the name at the back in. And it's going to be quite a good little machine inside. And I think it's going to be able to play quite cool games from developers and all this sort of stuff. But it's going to stay away from the downloadable titles and all this sort of stuff. And unfortunately, I, still, I just don't think it's got a place anymore. In, mm. in today's gaming, unfortunately, I'd love it to. I would really love it to. I'd love it to work. It looks so cool. It's really shiny. The, the Jaguar cases he's used, he's got the original molds for the Jaguar cases, look really sleek and really nice. And the controller looks really cool. And I think they brought the price down and they're trying to sort something out. And uh, everyone's still giving it a bash in. For goodness sake, yeah. leave it alone. If you don't like it, just don't say anything. It's just awful hearing all this negativity it's like people just get on i mean i was talking to to my wife about it last night about it and she's she's hopefully going to be studying stuff about the internet soon about all these different effects on the internet so it's just such a big thing and i said about you know the negativity on something if nintendo or sony or microsoft just put a picture out on the web on their internet site and said right here's our new cab or our new sort of um video game Everyone will go crazy. I want it. I want to buy it. I love it. But they wouldn't give it a bash in and say, oh, that isn't going to work. Mm. So it's, it's you know, they're, they're crushing a little indie developer, but they're on the side of the companies that want to take all your money off you and, and sell you 28 quid skin for a game, which is mm. absolutely preposterous. I can't understand it. And it really gets my goat a little bit. That's the internet for you. Yeah, it is. I mean, the internet can mm. be so positive, And then you get a small pocket of idiots who ruin it for everyone. Mm. so i think personally if if the project doesn't go ahead i really really hope 
that the guy will sell the cases because he can produce the cases because he's got the original molds. And then maybe yeah. people can put their own projects inside this really cool looking case. You know, maybe maybe put a Raspberry Pi in it and have it as a Jaguar sort of modern console. Yeah, that's a good idea. Pi Jaguar, yeah. or maybe put your own. Maybe you've got your own little thing you're going to put in there, and maybe you put it in there and then wires to a, an HD screen or whatever, and use it as a, a nice, your own personal little cab. I don't know. It'd be absolutely brilliant. But I don't know. Maybe you'll just say, sod it. You know, no mm. one wants it. I'm just going to shelve it and throw the cases away. Make a nice lunchbox. It would make, well, a nice case for anything, for your own yeah. little personal projects. Because you can buy loads of different shaped cases for Raspberry Pi computers, which are really cool little things. And people are printing their own stuff and... But this is professionally made with the original Jaguar cases. And I'm sure there's Jaguar fans out there who would love a nice, brand-new, shiny case for their mm. Jaguar. So, yeah, it's got a place. I definitely think it's got a place. Just, yeah. Anyway, half mini rant over. Do you reckon you'd get, um, do you reckon you'd get two sandwiches in it? Two decent-sized sandwiches I think you'd it? get two sandwiches. Maybe an apple. No, no, it'd be too big for an apple. And maybe a penguin biscuit. Ah, yeah, they're quite flat, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe some slices of ham later. <laughs> Any road up. Shall we get back on the subject of arcade? I've had my little mini rant, and I yes. hope the project works well in some kind of scenario. I really do. Hoping well. Yeah, the internet, it kind of gets trendy to slag things off. and it people does. Follow, people follow the kind of trend to be cool, and then you never know. In two months, it could all be up again, and they, they're saying, wow, this is brilliant, you mm, know. Yeah, I like trolling you. Mm, on Twitter, yeah. but I and do it. Was... I do it for fun effect, and I have a laugh with it. I don't. <laughs> I would never ever hurt anyone's feelings on on any social media. I would never ever go anyone. If I didn't like something, I private message them and say, "Look, hold on a minute, let's talk yeah. about this." But I would never make it public. I just I don't like the mudslinging idea of it. I really dislike that. It's mm. negative and just awful. We should use the internet for cool things. Yes, gaming. Any road back on topic. Another thing that's in the news that I want to put in the news. It's my friend Phil Murray, who you met at the Martin's Meet at Fleet on the yes. street. Mm. He's a very clever lad. He's, he's, yes. he's fixed stuff for me before. He's done a really good job. And he's also developed his own little small PCB that combines the CPU, RAM, and ROM for a Galaxian board onto a single little daughter board. You just plug straight in a Z80 socket. Mm. And basically, it cuts out all the errors you may have from, say, 10 different RAM chips or six different uh, program ROM chips, or however many the game takes. Yeah. And it, it controls it. I'm not too sure how it works. I'm not a genius like he is. But it, it controls these different things with a GAL chip. And the GAL chip can be programmed to control these different parts in different ways. So you can use this same little daughter board with different PCBs that use the same socketed chip. So he's, he asked me the other day, because he's fixing my Turpin again, so it still wasn't working properly when he got back to me. It's a real flaky board. And he mm. said, oh, do you mind if I put a single board on I said, do whatever you like, son. As long as you can fix it, you just do whatever you want. To make it work properly and reliable, you do whatever you like to it. You can cover it in ham for all I like. Hey. So he said, yeah, all right, I will. And he's, he's adapted it to work on scramble hardware as well. Excellent. Which is absolutely brilliant news because it removes a bunch of chips that any one of those could be faulty and making other stuff not work. So when there's one brand new burned chip or one larger, more modern RAM on it, it's bound to work better. Mm. And it's still using the original code and the original kind of RAM, but all combined into one, and the original CPU. So it's still original in my eyes. 
Yeah, I don't know how you go with uh, the Twin Galaxies kind of people. Who cares? Yeah. Don't I'm, I'm never going to get a world record on Turpin. You beat me on that. Did I? Yeah. Oh, that's good. A maze game, and I beat you on it. Yeah, you did, didn't you? You were quite good at mm. that. I You're good you. on the maze games, aren't I you? I hate you. <laughs> mm, thanks. Also, there's been another Sonic prototype found. And basically, I think it was done by the guy who did Bubble Bubble, I was reading. Mm. And it's basically a version of Sega Sonic the Hodge Hodgehog. <laughs> we'll call him a Hodgehog. A Hodge Egg. Sega Sonic the Hedgehog, which is a three-player trackball racing-type isometric game, which I saw in the flesh at Galloping Ghost Arcade. Yeah. And you can play it in MAME if you've got a trackball. Right. But this one has got different characters in it. They all look like just different coloured Hodge Eggs. Yeah. I've I've, I've coined that phrase now. I'm now called Hodge Eggs. (laughs) And it's basically another game that's been uncovered. Hopefully it'll be in MAME soon. And there is a video of it running on our website. Hmm. Also from our friends Arcade Heroes, there is a new solution to your Laserdisc game rot. You know, the Laserdiscs fail on Dragon's Lair Space Ace, all that kind of thing. Those games never work because mm-hmm. the Laserdisc players always fail and the Laserdiscs are actually rotting from time. Mm. Some guy has developed a solid state hardware solution. So you plug it into your cab and you don't need the disc. You can have one of them. And there's a picture here, and it's it's uh, well, it's it's not green with black bits on. It's purple with black bits on. It's a PCB, mate. It looks it's really good. It's a tiny little thing, isn't it? Mm. And what it does, I think also, I was I heard on another podcast, I think, may have been the Broken Token guys, were speaking about it, and it's got some sort of, um, not DRM, which is evil, mm. but it's got some sort of thing where you, you license the game. So when you play a game using that PCB and you've bought the ROM or the, the code or whatever, you can actually run that in a cab absolutely legitimately because you own the license for the game. Yeah. And all you're, repl- all you're replacing is a horrible old Laserdisc, which would never work, and the horrible old Laserdisc player. So I think that's really good. Mm. I like the idea of... of still being legitimate as well which is really cool i think it's from the same people yeah it is the same people that did the daphne emulator oh which which was a licensed product you actually had to buy the different games but they did a very good deal on them they were quite cheap for what they were they Mm. weren't preposterously priced at all and i think if you bought the whole pack of dragon's lair one and two and space ace you got a really good deal on it Mm. So, yeah, really cool. Hats off to those guys. Yeah, they're obviously really passionate about keeping those games alive. I know absolutely very acquired taste, probably better to watch than it is to play. But They are lovely to watch, though. And yeah. the actual machine, when you see a, a working machine, it's, it's a thing of beauty. It really mm. is. I remember them. I remember probably playing it twice thinking, no, and moving yeah, on. Yeah, I did. Well, I used to like watching people play it rather than, pl- than play it myself. I love the sound of it. You went in an arcade and you knew that was there somewhere. Because you could hear the, like, the, the track screen going. Well, you could hear him getting killed a lot, yeah. basically. <laughs> and this has been touring the internet. It's very use- useful for wannabe pinheads. All it is, it's a little video about how to control your balls on a pinball. Who were misses? Yeah. I, I listened to this. I watched this, sorry. It's great. And it, it's really cool. It's yeah. definitely for us. We don't know much about pinballs. No. And we just ping the ball around and hope for the best. This actually shows you how to trap the ball, how to do skill shots. Really interesting. In 60 seconds. I I absolutely think people should run, not walk. Go and have a look at this. It's really interesting. It's on our website. To master those techniques, though, would take a long time, but it does show you the techniques at least. Yeah, yeah, I think they're really helpful. Mm. Okay, I think that's the news done. Let's go on to pickups. 
Right, for me first, because I know you won't have any. <laughs> I've got one. I picked up a fixed PCB of Turpin from Phil Murray at the Smarty Meet. Unfortunately, I got it home and it didn't work again. Oh. I had exactly the same thing. When Sarge kindly fixed it for me before, he got it working at his house. He actually sent me a video. Cheers, Sarge. Pingmeister. He sent me a video of it actually working at his house. He said, there you go, it's working. And he played a game that was perfect. Got it back to my house. Didn't work. If you move things about on it, you could sort of flex the wire a little bit and move some of the chips. It was coming on and then going off. It was really, really flaky. And I think I've found out since Konami, old, the old Konami boards, had quite flaky sockets. They weren't very good quality sockets. And obviously over time, they just ruined and broken and, and corroded yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So Phil got really annoyed. And he said, it was working. I said, oh, I believe you. And I, said, I know you, you fixed it. You're really good. At he said, I'll have it back. I'm going to make it fix. I'm going to make it work. <laughs> so it's, it's his own personal vendetta now to make my stupid board work. And with his new super duper single board daughter card thingy, copyright name, mm. he's going to use that on it and he'll get it working. So oh. it's absolutely brilliant. So that's what I got of Phil, but I had to send it back again. <laughs> I've also, at the same Smarty Meet, I, got, I picked up, someone just handed me, so I found these in the bottom of my Paperboy cab, and they gave me two little instruction cards for Turpin, the original Turpin game. Wow. And I'm very grateful, but because I was so ill that day, massive apologies, I can't remember who gave them to me. It may have been Bensonrad. Mm. I cannot remember. I was a bit fuzzy. But I've got an original glass marquee for Turpin as well. I was given by Alex, I think, a while back. And it's going to look a peach in my cab. I'm going to make it up as a little Turpin cab just temporarily while I play Turpin in it. Get me bored mm. back. Also, Simon gave me some red tea molding and a nice box with my jammer cab, well, along with some translucent buttons and some bulbs for the inside of the coin door. Mm. Which is pretty cool. I, I put them all in there and they look a peach. Really nice. I need to do you that red artwork, don't I? Yeah, I was going to get onto you about that. I was going to moan at you about that. The red no, 10 pence artwork. Because that cabinet, I should have t- talked about this in stuff I've been doing actually, I completely forgot. I had a little bit of time when I was ill. I sort of went in there for a little bit and I could just about stand up for an hour and had to go and sit down for a bit. I managed to put the cab on its side and I used Riddick Rick's videos to show yeah. me how to put the artwork on the side. You spray the cab with water, a thin layer of water. Yeah. When you put the sticky vinyl on, you can still move it around. When you push all the bubbles out, which is the hardest bit of getting a vinyl on a cab, you push them all out and it worked an absolute treat. And I got it on wow. there with no blemishes in the side it looks brilliant and i'll trim the side of it and it's got like a sort of black wood black ash wood effect on it now yeah oh, when i put the red tea mold on it looks an absolute peach it's really really nice looking and i did a bit of vinyl on the top of the cab and also on the front bit where i, I joined the wooden piece to make the the front cab properly it looks really nice mm, and what i'm going to do as well is make up some bulb holders and put some of those same kind of bulbs underneath the control panel to shine through the translucent buttons Oh, that'd be nice. It's going to look nice. It's going to look lovely. So I did all that as well. So uh, I got them from Simon. I also, after lots of stuff this week. Oh! One that'll interest you, actually. I swapped with a guy, one of my spare Mr. Driller 2 PCBs, because I've got two of them, for a Gunbird PCB. Mm. Vertical shooter. (laughs) V-S-E-U. Yeah, vertical shoot-em-up. And this guy was, I can't remember his name now, it was from Arcade Otaku. And, um... I swapped it with him. I gave him Mr. Driller 2 PCB and also gave him a King of Farters 94 MVS Farters. Yes. I'm the King of Farting. <laughs> so he wanted that and I gave it to him because 
the the gunboat piece is probably worth a little bit more than a, a Mr. Driller 2. So I was fine with that. I've never played King of Fighters. And it got to him, and I tried it out before I sent it. So I must try it out before I sent it. I did a little video of it just moving around and the gameplay and stuff, no problem. Sent it to him, got the gunboat PCB really quickly, and he said, oh, I had a go of it the other night, and I did one of the levels, a 500 meters level, and it reset on me. I went, oh, no. And, and then he said, I said, well, try this. Try resetting the NVRAM. There's a setting in the settings where you can reset the NVRAM, and I've done it before on a PCB, and it sorted everything out. It just got rid of all the, the, the gremlins in it. Yeah. He said, no, that's not working. I said, oh, damn it. So I'll, you have to send it back. You know, I'll try it here and see if there's a problem here. Because he said, oh, it could be something I'm doing. I said, I don't think so. And I said, is there any other game you'd like? And I gave him a list of games I want to get rid of. And he said, oh, yeah, Geki Rinden, which is um, another VSEU yeah. on a Taito F3 cart. It's like a big motherboard and a cartridge. And he said, oh, yeah, I'll be happy with that. Do you want the, the King of Fighters back? Because, you know, it's, it's worth the same. I said, no, no, keep it. Don't worry about it. I'll never play it. You can have that. It's only like a 10 quid game. And he had Geki Rinden back, and I didn't even open the Gunbird. I want him to be to be a hundred percent happy with the swap before I played Gunbird. Yeah, just in case you know anything yeah. silly would happen. And he's had it now; he's really happy with it. I put the Gunbird in my pony, banged it in a pony. Oof! And it's waiting for you to play it, son. Mm, excellent. I've played it on Dreamcast recently. Yeah, good yeah. version. Yeah, I might I might even lend you it for a while because it's not my kind of game really. I just thought I'd mm. have a swap with a game I don't really play because I've got a mm. version of Mr. Driller 2 already and I, I never played that Geki Rinden. So I might just like put it in some bubble wrap and send it to you for a bit. Is it Jammer? Yes. Oh, excellent. Straight in there. Whack it in the Lord's, Lord's Veil. Vale. <laughs> Smash it up your Lord's Veil. Vale. So I'm happy with that now. It took a bit of a pain in the backside getting all sorted but i've had it back and it's resetting all the time now so it was definitely a fault just happened in the post those things happen sometimes yeah right pain in the bum so what else have you got your hoarder you've got tons of stuff here i know i've had time to play this next one i've had time to try um i took home from the same meet at martin's place i took home two rather large pcbs from back flipper steve Mm. he's a lovely australian guy Nice guy, yeah. I got on well with him. We had we had a good centipede competition going there. He's got a very good collection of arcade games, and he lives in East London. So hopefully one day we can go around and have a look at his his collection. He's got some really nice games. He's got a video pinball. Oh, yeah. So um, that'd be nice, Steve. Hint, hint. <laughs> and he gave me some games that may well run in my Death Race cabinet. Oh yes, yeah. Because Death Race was adapted from a game called Destruction Derby. So he <laughs> gave me a Destruction Derby um, PCB and another one marked Demolition Derby. But it definitely isn't Demolition Derby because that was a later XD game. It was a colour game. So I've looked at that. So I think these are both Destruction Derby PCBs, but they look quite different. One of them looks quite worn and broken. There's lots of bits missing on it, and I don't think that's going to work at all. But the other one looks in quite good shape. There's one chip that's had the top smashed off, which which is only a small um, logic chip, which can be easily replaced when I find out what it is. And I think that will work, but I haven't had time to drag the massive cab out to get in the back of it to swap the PCBs around. But I will hopefully do that sometime soon. Yeah. So that's another thing. I also bit the bullet and bought a small trackball. Trackball spinning. From Arcade World UK, formerly Gremlin Solutions, which is in the UK. Yeah. Which is a quite good place to get things. They send things really quickly. They're a little bit pricey, priced in other places, but they're very quick. If you want something, you will have it within two days. And I did. And yeah. this, this trackball... Because of the, the sm- very, very small control panel position and, and room inside my little jammer cab, my cabaret cabinet, you can't get a full-size trackball in there or even a smaller version. But this one is a two-inch trackball, so it's not a small trackball. It's quite a reasonable-sized trackball. And the actual casing around it is only 72 mil square. 
So it's a tiny little thing, mm. and I and it plugs straight into a sixty-in-one PCB. So you can play centipede and millipede with a trackball. You can also play the spinner games. So you can play Super Breakout and Arkanoid with a trackball, which works a lot better than a joystick. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. It is. But I'm making a panel for that, and I'm also going to put on the same panel, and it's an interchangeable panel with the original one. I'm going to put the trackball um, and a spinner in the middle and a button either side so you can play proper all the, the sort of optical games on the 16 when you just plug it straight in, off you pop. Mm. That's pretty cool. I like that. Have you had anything then? Oh, I've, had, I've had one pickup this morning, Ooh, really? just, just through the post, a new version of MAME. I've got the latest version of MAME from a site on Tinternet. Instead of downloading everything, I just, oh, God, yeah. just pay for it. Yeah. Version 170 came out 29th of January, so it's a brand new version. How many hundreds of discs is it on? It's on nine DVDs. Oh, my Lord. The version I get does not include all the games with the hard drives. Yeah, you don't need all those. So you get 90, say, 95% of the games. I think there's four or 500 games you don't get, which I'm not interested in anyway, because they're like 2,000 plus, most of them. Yeah, we'll forget them ones. There's there's actually, there are a few good games on there, actually, but I'm not sure how well they run on even a modern PC. Mm. Stuff like um, Gauntlet, is it Dark 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 Legacy? Legacy? Yeah, and the other new Gauntlet Legends, they're good little games. I tried, I downloaded one. It was Street Fighter Three Third Strike. Yeah, with, that's one. That's one I have got on my setup with definitely. a CHD, and that that works brilliantly. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, but that's sort of an older game, isn't it? I suppose so. Not, what year is that? Ninety seven, ninety eight. Now you're asking, gotta be, yeah. But that is the what the best, in my opinion, version of of Street Fighter Mm. in any iteration. Definitely, definitely. So that's all the any more before we go. That's it. No more pickups. Various biscuits, obviously. I went all high, then I better get low down again. Oh, you've gone all cockney again, mate, ain't you? All cockney, and I. Let's do a bit of feedback. All right. Right, feedback. There's one here, an interesting one, from Scott Evans, also known as Atari Scott, Mm. who is quite an interesting person. (laughs) He says, the Sentinel picture, which we put on the Art of Psyduck the other week, is of a small-scale foam mock-up. It's not actually a cabinet. Oh, me. Yeah. uh, Target Outpost was the first version of the game. That version combined a pinball... Playfield with a form of the Aka R gameplay. So it wasn't even a video game. It was a pinball version of it. Wow. How bizarre is that? And mm. the reason Atari Scott knows this, because he is the chap, I got in contact with him on Facebook Messenger. He's the chap who picked up all the remaining items from the Atari offices when they closed down in California. Yeah. And I've got onto him and I would like to interview him very much. But he hasn't got back to me yet. I would love to interview him about his Atari horde. He's got he's got many many interesting Atari items. Many he's well known for this, mm-hmm. so he's a very interesting guy. So thank you for that, Scott. Mm. Mick wasted berry and Steve Monkey Chunk can't believe that I don't like tea. Nobody believes you can't like tea because you're a freak. I, I mentioned it on the last podcast that I don't like tea. You don't like tea. Get out. It's rubbish. Well, I don't know. No. Moving on. Moving on. Leslie seventeen says thanks for the Crossy Road shout out. Do you know what? My wife has absolutely scuppered my score. She's got over 300 on it now. Oof. But that's on a controller playing on an Apple TV. Mm. It's, it's a lot easier to play on a controller because you can use left and right and up and down with yeah. the, the stick and a button to jump. So I think it is a lot easier to play on that. I, I got, ooh, I beat my score. I got about 180, 200 maybe 
and then she went and mm. scuppered me. How dare she? I don't like swipey controls. I don't. It's better playing on a controller. It's a lot easier mm. playing on a controller. Yeah. A lot easier. Darren from Retro Domination and Tronads, they both said they like the podcast pick, although Tronads accuses us of cheating on Kung Fu Master by point pressing on the second level. And he also calls Flicky modern rubbish. 1984, modern rubbish. And poo. But I feel that we must apologise to Tronads for for threatening random acts of violence upon him over the interwebs. I was saying Chinese burns, bend his fingers back, Vic. <laughs> chafe and, his ankles. And chafed ankle. And you well, were saying, steal his pie and untuck his shirt. That is that is our version of internet trolling. It's quite lighthearted, really, isn't it, compared to it what is. some people say on the internet. Yes, um, I think it's a case of, of sour onions with him. His mm. onions are really sour. Because we trounced his score. Woo! <laughs> I played Kung Fu Master with him last night to show him this second level that we do. Yeah. And we both, I think he actually beat, I think he got like 230,000 and I got 220. And it, like, as we were saying, it is not easy doing that, that little bit of point pressing because you can still die on that level too. Yeah. But we got really good at when we were playing together. Didn't we? we get quite, quite skilled at it, but he also, he also accused us in his desperation of playing on a hacked ROM set. Which is totally true. My ROM set has been hacked. <laughs> but we ain't from galaxies. We totally chumpadized Tronads. He was still on about it last night. <laughs> <laughs> and he rode up. Dabby X, Benson Rad, and Ed Horse, with his hooves, mm-hmm. listened to us while travelling. And Ed used to love the NES version of Kung Fu Master. And he says, good work, chaps. In your face. In your face, chaps. Charlie Farr, the world-famous Charlie Farr, says, phew, you certainly know how to do a road trip. Vic, this is talking about your America trip. Uh Really envious of all the great places you visited. I've decided to go all out for the Galaxian world record this year. He's got all twitchy. He's got all twitchy and he's twitching, isn't he? Yeah. He got 870,000 on the first life, which I think, we amazing. said last time, yeah. That is amazing. Simple as that. Yeah. How long it will take me to get this is anyone's guess. As long as I play regularly, it should happen. Yeah. I'm a bit concerned about your threat to break my thumbs. Is this you again? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Next time we meet, I'm keeping my hands firmly in my pockets. <laughs> Finally, Biscuit Dunkin' is the best. Sean, you should be thoroughly ashamed of yourself for not liking tea. Disgraceful. Next, he'll be telling us he doesn't own any whippets. <laughs> You've definitely got a, a, a pack of whippets in your back garden, I'm sure of it, because you're from the north. I've got some whippets in an Atari Jaguar case. <laughs> it's a good place to put them. Yeah. Very, very small whippets. Yeah. Uh, we, we are trying to push Charlie Farr to get some world records because he deserves them. He'll, he'll get them, I think. Yeah. And it'd be good to bring home the uh, UK world record. He's going to do it. It's just I a matter you. of time, I think. Uh-huh. Mm. Chucky Egg, our Alex. Glad you're still doing the art of side art. What a fantastic segment. Sean really enjoyed the, the interview. And Alex was the one who came up with the uh, art of side art, actually. So kudos to him. Yeah, he was. He said, well-researched, thumbs up. Well done for completing Kung Fu Master. I'm going to see if I can complete the NES version. Such a good game. Great podcast, as always. Mm. Peter Kman, Sweden, enjoyed the podcast. Thank you, Peter. Adam Farrar, what do you get when you cross a couple of crazy Kentuckians bourbon at 10 pence arcade and hashtag Kung Fu Master. A great show at Broken Token, hashtag bravo. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I'm glad we still could speak reasonably well. well rather well, than the, the usual nonsense we go on about. Blah, blah. Andrew Driver, love 10p. Thank you, Andrew. He also said the TZ 
pod when he sees it. And I had to ask him what the TZ pod was. Mm. And I can't remember. But I'm no. sure it's very good. Everyone should listen to it. Yay! I think it's like a comfortable sleeping bag you sleep in. Oh, like yeah, it sounds lovely, doesn't it? TZ pod. TZ pod. Or it's yeah. it's a, a little thing you sleep in. It dispenses tea. Yes! You wouldn't like it. You have a coffee version. You can imagine the, like, the advert. Easy pod, teasy pod. Come and get your tea, lads, and get warm in this sleeping bag style device. And if you like a savoury version, the cheesy pod. <laughs> cheese. Maybe. Cheesy tea. Cheesy anyway, tea. What about cheesy tea? I might like it if I had cheese in it. Doesn't sound good to me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Go on. What's the next one? Pete Hahn has been on from The Galloping Ghost. Thanks for the kind words and praise about the Galloping Ghost Arcade. It was nice meeting you and talking games during your America trip, Victor. Pete recommends Missing in Action MIA for us to 1cc, mm. the successor to Green Beret, which he is also the world champion on. <laughs> he says it's about as challenging as Green Bertie and thinks we both like it as we both like Green Beret. He also provided us with a link to a YouTube video of doing a 1cc loop of it, which is on our website. And... Everyone should have a look at his channel. He's got lots of 1CCs going on there. Look for G-G-A-H-A-N, all in capitals, on YouTube. Mm. Talking of Galloping Ghosts, listen to their podcast. I really enjoy that one because they're obsessed with scores and so am I. It's a great podcast. Have you looked at that video of him doing MIA? I haven't, no. Well, I remember playing when I was a kid the Green, uh, the Spectrum version of Green Beret and the guy walks in a very, very camp manner. His legs just like twirl around. And this guy, missing in action, does the same kind of thing. It's very similar game to Green Beret, but a bit more modern looking. Mm. And I think you go from left to right and right to left. And you can go up and down. There's like up and down levels as well. So you can go down ladders and up ladders into the, the basements uh-huh. and stuff. And you get a lot more different weapons. And you can keep hold of the weapons. And I think you've got a third button to choose the weapon you want to use. You've got like machine guns, grenades, rocket launchers. And you can choose which one you want for the certain part of the game you want to do and it, it looked a lot easier than green because there's no baddies at the end of the level there's no bosses you just get to the end of the level it blows up and you go to the next level i don't even uh, think i've ever seen it at all it looks ever. it looks decent i'm gonna play it it does look decent i'm gonna have a go at that i want to one cc it now pete's got me on the case mm. so that is definitely one to check out that isn't it yeah that is the feedback thank you for your feedback everyone keep it up let's go on to do some shout outs yes Firstly all, shout out to Martin, Laws, Smarty Martin for having us all reprobates around to his games room. We had a blast. Absolutely mm. brilliant two Sundays ago. Yeah, and from me, Martin, thank you. That was a great day. And it was good to meet all those other people as well. Yep. Thank you to Alex, Chucky Egg, for taking me home because I went in your car because I was not ready to drive a car. And he took me home. So thanks for that, Alex. Also to Phil Murray for fixing my turpin we spoke about earlier. And having to fix the damn thing again. He's had it back. A friend of his was working near where I live, and he popped in to pick it up for me, which was excellent. I didn't have to send it anywhere. And he's going to have a look at that. He's also going to have a look at my Cosmic Monsters PCB, because I gave him a Xevious PCB I got cheap Mm. a while back, and I never tested it. I think it works. And he was after one for a cab, I think. So I said, he said, how much do you want for it? I said, you can have that, but you have to fix this for me. And I gave him my Cosmic Monsters as well. So Mm. good luck with fixing that, and thank you for doing the Turpin again. Because what I'm going to do with Cosmic Monsters, which is a universal game, I want to put that in my second Cosmic Alien wall mount cab. Mm. And I'm going to call it Cosmic Malcolm. 
Cosmic Malk. And what I will do, if I do get the game working, because it's like a Space Invaders clone, but it's like a little unique version, universal version of Space Invaders. It's got wishy-washy aliens. They're really cool. Wishy-washy. They sort of, they, they sort of move like little brush heads. They're not bothered. They're like, yeah, we might attack you, we might not. Yeah, a bit like that. Yeah, a bit of, wishy-washy. You know, blase about the whole thing. Yeah. Blase aliens. What I'm going to do, if it, does, if it does get it to work, which I'm sure he will, is I'm going to make up, get a glass screen or a Perspex screen made up and get Ollie Muddy Music to do me a themed Cosmic Malcolm theme for it. Hmm. So it's like a unique screen. Because it was never made in a wall mount cab like my other German cab. So yeah. I'm going to get one made up for it and, and have the backlights on it. And it's going to look really cool. I've got plans for that cabinet. Excellent. Also, thanks to Steve Backflipper. I haven't checked out those PCBs you gave me yet. And I'll check them out, test them, see if they're worth anything, and give you some cash for them if they're, if they're okay. Mm. I'd like to give a shout-out to Mark Redman, who is Happy Dude UK on Twitter, who I met for the first time properly last night. And mm. we were just pushing each other to play Flicky and get higher and higher scores, which we'll talk about shortly. Get higher, baby. Don't ever come down. Burr, 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 burr. And also to Tronads, who we have a great laugh with Tronads, and Charlie Farr for just making the night so memorable because he is just fantastic. Did you hoist him above your shoulders and, and take him around the streets of Blackburn when he did all those? Well, oh, it's in Berry. It's in Berry, but no. Well, you could have taken him to Blackburn first and done it. I don't know. We should change this to the Charlie Farr Appreciation Show. Definitely. We should yeah. have a segment on it at least. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's all the shout-outs. We've forgotten anyone. Sorry, 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 yeah. sorry. But thank you to all those people. Big shout-outs. And the next section, as usual, is Tech Tips. Right, I didn't think I was going to have one this week, but I do. It's a very quick one, though. It's a simple one. But it Go good. for it. Go for it. I'm going to leave this one to you because, yes. You couldn't fix a sandwich. Nope. Right. I went around to see Alex the other day, and he asked if I could take a quick look at his Space Firebird cocktail cabinet. It had lost sound. When you played the game, you could actually hear, if you put your ear very close to the speaker, you hear very, very faintly the noises from the game. Mm. I thought, oh, what's going on here? And I said to him, oh, maybe the amp's gone on it. Because this game is quite an old game. It's before Mario, and it's got a separate soundboard and sound amp. And also, parts of the sound circuitry are actually on the monitor, because that's what Nintendo used to do with their old monitors. They used to put the volume controls and bits and bobs on the, on the monitor. Yeah. So I said to him, first thing first, I said, have you swapped any bits around? Because he was building the cab up, trying different parts in it, and all sorts. I said, have you swapped anything around? And he said he had tried different soundboards in there, thinking the soundboard might have been the fault, which is a simple thing to think. Yeah, that might be the case. And he put another soundboard in there, and it was still doing the same thing. So that rules out the soundboard, basically. Okay, fair enough. And I took it all apart. I took the PCB out, and I'd look on the bottom of it. I'd look on the soundboard, make sure there's no obvious breakages, any caps falling off, the volume control. I actually checked the volume pots with a a multimeter to make sure they were the range they were working in. were working. They were fine. Yeah. You've got a pot on the actual soundboard for the different sounds, and you've got a volume control on the monitor, and they were both turned up, and there was no problem there, nothing silly going on. So I pulled them both off. I had a look at them, looked for obvious faults and, you know, caps, broken legs, all that sort of stuff, and any burnt parts, any broken parts. It looked pretty good shape, you know, no problem. Checked out the multimeter, all this sort of stuff. And when you do it with a multimeter, you set it to resistance to the area you need to check it in. You can check from the lower to the higher 
resistance on the ohms, yeah. which is fairly simple to check, and that was working okay. So I asked Alex, said, um, that four-pin plug, which goes from the sound card to the PCB, was, was at a slightly different connector to the, the mating part. It didn't quite look right. And I said, um, is that right? And he said, oh, when I got it, it was, it was bodged. It was glued together. It was like some glue and some tape around it. I went, oh, hang on a minute. So, hmm, a bodge somewhere along the line. And it wasn't done by Alex, I might add. It was done by the previous owner, whoever had it before, who even had it before that. And it used to work fine. Yeah. So the plugs on the Nintendo cabs were proprietary back in the day. There was loads of different, about seven or eight different plugs, and they wouldn't fit in the wrong hole. So you couldn't plug a wrong part into the wrong, because they had different pin numbers and stuff. So one power supply would have 10 pins, one around the back would have nine pins, the sound would have six pins, etc., etc. So I was looking at this, this plug, and I looked at the, the – it's a four-pin plug. There was only two mm. pins of the four being used. So I looked at them, and I put them together how it should go together. It actually fitted because there's a little, a little angled chamfer on one side, and inside the other – the mating part is the mating side to it. So you cannot plug it in the wrong way around. It's impossible. You can't do it. Yeah. And I looked at it, and I looked behind the pins where the, onto the PCB where the pins were going to, and I noticed – I think it was pin one and two – was going to pins three and four. And they weren't going anywhere on the PCB. There's no tracks underneath them. I went, hang on a minute. That's not going anywhere. It's never going to work. It's not going to the parts it should go on the PCB. So what I did is I got another one of his, his soundboards from an older machine, a Space Fever, like the one I've got, which is a slightly different soundboard. Yeah. And I noticed that the pins on that were reversed. So one, two, three, and four were four, three, two, and one. So I went, hang on a minute. Someone's used a wire from that old machine on this, on this slightly newer version. So what I did is I got a, I said, you got a file? He said, yeah, I've got a file. And I actually put a chamfer, I filed a chamfer on the plastic of the plug on the other side. Yeah. And I plugged the thing in, basically, back to front. Hmm. And this might sound a bit scary, but I was pretty certain what was going on here. So the two pins that were live, that were doing something, not from voltage, it's just a signal, I think, and ground, were going to signal and ground on the, on the mating part. Plugged it on in. I said, right, turn the machine on, but be quick to turn it off again if I tell you to turn it off quick in case anything went wrong. And he turned it on. Boom! Loads of sound coming out of it. I thought you were going to say it exploded. No, no. Oh. Loads of relays. So we turned the volume down because we left the volume up when we were trying it before. And turned the volume down. Job done. Excellent. It wasn't actually a fix. What it was was just a lesson in common sense. Mm. If it, a pin, two pins are going to nowhere on a PCB, they're never going to work, are they? No. If the other two pins are going somewhere, it's pretty obvious someone's plugged that thing in the wrong way around, or they've used the wrong kind of plug and bodged it in. They must have just like forced it in there, wrapped a load of tape around it, told it together, and that was it. And when Alex was trying different things and they maybe knocked the wire or something, it stopped working. It was as mm. simple as that. And I love a simple fix. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> oh, brilliant. There is sort of a moral to this, is use your common sense. Mm-hmm. Have a look at things, inspect something before you start fiddling, I think. Yeah. That's a pretty good one. Mm, well done. Job done. Bosh. Mm. Bosh. Job done. Oh, gone Cockney again, mate. Gone Cockney, mate. Right. I phoned my brother up the other day, right? Yeah. I said, hello, mate. You all right? He went, um, hello, who is this? I went, I'm your brother. He went, I thought it was you. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Just <laughs> Shall we have a musical, a calming musical interlude? I think we should do. I'm going to let you take this one. This podcast, we are very lucky to have a special recording from our in-house band, the Ten Pence Orchestra. Which I must stress, yeah. I have nothing to do with. 
No, of course not. Nothing to do with me, pal. Nothing to do with us. They've just turned up. And they are performing a touching homage to today's featured game, Flicky. Hey, Flicky, you're so fine. You're so fine, you blow my mind. Hey, Flicky. Hey, Flicky. Oh, Flicky, what a pity you don't understand. You take me by the wing when you take me by the beak. Oh, Flicky, you're so pretty. Can't you understand? It's birds like you, Flicky. Oh, what you do, Flicky, do, Flicky. Don't break your beak, Flicky. Hey, Flicky. Now when you take me by the neck, who's ever gonna know? And every time you move, I let a little more show. There's something you can use. So don't say no, Flicky. 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 Well, what did you think to that, Vic? Isn't it incredible? I'm absolutely speechless. It's brilliant, isn't it? Mmm. I think there's a recording contract in it somewhere for these guys. I think what we should do next... Yes. Move on. Okay, then. Featured game review! (laughs) (laughs) Right, first things first, tell me. This game is fantastic, as you will no doubt agree. I disagree with it's a game called Flicky from Sega 1984. Yeah, and before we go on to the review, yes. there's a really good Flicky blog by the guy who loaned his cab to Arcade Club, the one you were playing the other night. Yes. So that was Matt Sefton. Hopefully I pronounced your name correctly, Matt. And there's some cool little secrets, score secrets on there. We put this on the website for people to look yeah. at. Very interesting. Nice mm. little site, actually. It's quite cute. Mm. Right, the game, as you say, as you are correctly saying, is Flicky by Sega 1984, and it sounds just like this. It was distributed by Bally in the US and runs on two, count them, two Z80 processors and two SN76496 sound chips. Mm. It is a two-way joystick, one-button game designed by Yoji Ishii, who was the head of Sega R&D until 1999. Incredible design. Right. Before we even begin, yeah. <laughs> this game is kawaii. Cute overload. The track screen has a delightful little animation of the chicks floating around holding onto pink balloons and there is a cat in an aeroplane popping their balloons and the blue bird, Flicky, catching him on his little motorbike. As the balloons pop, they turn into letters that make up, you guessed it, Flicky. And then plays a sequence showing you roughly how to play the game. You play a flightless bird, blue bird, called Flicky. You move around the platforms collecting small chicks which are called chirps but I prefer them by their proper Japanese names of Pew Pew. Pew Pew. 
Pew, pew, pews, will follow you in a long line until you deposit them in the flicky doorway, which you entered the level from. The antagonists in this game that try to hinder your chick collecting are stripy cats called Nyan-Nyans. <laughs> you must avoid these nasty cats because if they touch you, you lose a life. If they make contact with your pew, pews, they are separated from the group and you have to recollect them. If you die while leading a load of fluffy ducks, they hang around and wander off usually where you were murdered by a horrible cat. The more pure pills you take to the flicky door, the more bonus points you'll accumulate. Also, if you do the level quickly, you get a various range of level bonus, all under a minute to get a bonus. Along the platforms are various objects you can automatically pick up as you walk over them. This consists of the usual things, plant pots, hammers, trumpets, apples, etc. When you do a jump with your one singular button, you also throw the item you've picked up. This is done to knock the cats out of your way. Ha! In your face, cats! But the cats regenerate and once again appear at their little cat flaps. If you manage to smack more than one cat, you get multiple points. After level 10, an iguana enemy appears called Choro. He clings to the walls and rushes at you on the flat parts of the levels. From level 3 and every fourth level, you get a bonus level, where the stupid striped idiot cats <laughs> are seesaw catapulting the little pew-pews up in the air. You have to catch them with your handy chick net which is a bit tricky as your character has a habit of being a slippery thing to control. If you stand around for too long on the levels, a big cat sticks its head out of one of the windows and lobs a fireball at you. Mm. I've only seen this a few times. Did you see that? Yeah, it is dodgeable, but it's hard to okay. dodge, but you can dodge it. Because I didn't really see what was thrown. I thought it was a big cat, and then I got killed by something big. So I think it was a big cat. I don't know. It's only like maybe 10 seconds that you stand still for. Not long. Yeah, you should, if you hang, I was hanging around waiting for a cat, and it did it to me. Yeah. I went to hit a cat in the face with a fire pot and it got me. Yeah. You will get a congratulations message after level 48 and the <laughs> game will continue on for another 48 levels from level 1 again and increase speed. And when you get to level 96, two loops, it goes back to the original speed. <laughs> yeah, right. So, let's talk about the graphics and sound on this game. Mm. It's a very colourful game. Very suitable for kids, I think. And saft people. Mm-hmm. Uh, sound is very cute too. I think the graphics and sound are what put me off originally playing this yeah. way way back in the eighties because very it's just, very Sega, isn't it? It just looked very kiddish, and I thought, ooh, rubbish. Hmm. And it's only looked like in the last two weeks I've actually taken it seriously. And as you already know from my tweets, I love it. You know what? This is a massive turn up for the books because yeah. when I first started playing this, and you mentioned we should play it, I was like, great, I love Flicky. It's a really cool game. I have completely flipped on my head. <laughs> Literally flipped playing this game. We'll get onto that in a minute. Mm. I'm calming. I'm calming myself. It's bubbling. It's bubbling, <laughs> mate. The music, on the other hand, is a bit too twee for me. You could, the, it's a nice little poppy, bouncy tune, but only for a couple of minutes. And I have now played it for the last, say, 10 days with the sound off, because you don't really need the sound on. And you are insane with flickiness. Mm. Right, the controls. My biggest point of... Uh, annoyance very annoying you're very slippery you yes. tend to slide a little bit as you turn around very similar to games like super mario yeah brothers and ice sorry mario brothers and ice climber mm. when you stop you slow down and you slide a little bit which really bugs me you also bounce off the walls if you hit a wall you'll bounce mm. usually into a damn cat you can use the bounces to your advantage. You can do, but I'm not skilled enough to do that. So <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. If I'm not skilled enough, I won't like it. No. Nope. 
I would also prefer a separate throw button to launch your collected projectiles. No. So when you pick up a plant pot, sometimes I don't want to jump. I just want to throw the plant pot, or I want to keep hold of the plant pot until a cat comes. Then I want to throw it. No. Because when you do throw it, shut up, you. When you do throw it, you've got to pick another one up to get it. And if another cat comes behind you, because you've got two or even three cats on the screen at once, I would like another button so I can control when I want to throw the damn trumpet, not when the stupid duck wants to throw it. I think it's only two cats at once. Oh, okay. Because the screen is only a little bit bigger than one screen wide. It's deceiving. Yeah, and it scrolls from left As to right. As it scrolls left and right, it's, it wraps around after just after one screen's width of the of your monitor, I think. Yeah. I don't think it bugs me about the thing not being able to throw the plant pot when you want to do it. Sometimes the, the little piopios you're trying to pick up are slightly above you, and you have mm-hmm. to jump to pick them up. If you stand under them for a little bit, they'll actually go down and just hit you, and you'll collect them. Mm. But normally you've got to jump to collect them. And when you jump, you lose your plant pot again, or your, your other projectile, your, your trumpet, or your exocet missile, or television or whatever you're throwing at the cats <laughs> you've got to plan it you've got to plan it right no so you jump like in jumping and cat killing at the same time yeah. jumping collecting birds cat killing nothing better yeah they do bug me though the controls do bug me i'm not used to it and you said playing on a proper cabinet with leaf leafs joystick controls are better yeah, some people have said this on Facebook, actually. It does feel better. I know it's not an analogue control, but it actually has an analogue kind of feel. But you do know, it's always a fact. We don't know why, what the science is behind it, but playing at a cabinet is always better. We were talking about this, yeah. It's yeah. definitely true. Don't know what it is. Can't work out why it is, but it's definitely the case. Mm. So we've got some play tips. Uh, the game scrolls from left and right a little bit. It wraps around just over one screen, as you said. And you can use this to your advantage when avoiding cats because you can scroll them off the screen. Mm. Also, when you're throwing things because it goes through the scroll sometimes. Yeah. Also, sometimes when you knock a cat out, it leaves a diamond behind, which you picked up for 800 points or so. Yeah, apparently, if I've got this right, the dime, someone's looked into the code and a diamond will appear. If you kill a cat in the middle third of the screen, okay. a diamond will randomly appear 50% of the time. Oh, okay. That's what it is. Ah, so it's a, bit ra- it's a bit random. Hmm. So the, there's a bit of trivia on this game as well, because it's a bit interesting, some of it. The original game was going to be called Busty. Yeah. And then Flip. And then finally, Ride at Flicky. Mm. And Flicky makes cameo appearances in lots of other Sega games. It's in, he's in Flashpoint, Block Seed, and Teddy Boy arcade games. He's in all the Sonic the Hedgehog games. Because when you bust a robot open, you know, a baddie robot, a Piopio flies out. And they actually yeah. call them Piopios on it. And also Sonic 3D Flicky's Island, which is a really, really good Mega Drive game. It's absolutely brilliant game. I think it came out on the Saturn as well. Yeah. Um, the chicks you rescue are actually called Flicky's. Because yeah. it's Flicky's Island. Um, did you also know, you probably do, I think you did now, that a girl appears in one of the windows on level 10 if you... Not enough points. If you do all the levels in under 30 seconds, I think, and you get a certain number of bonus points. Well, yeah, the object really of each level is to get all eight. I think after the third screen, you start getting eight little POPOs. Get all eight of those into the lift or whatever it is at the same time. So you get nine and a half thousand points for getting all eight at once. Yeah. Do it in under 20 seconds for your 20,000 point bonus. Actually, 19 seconds or under. Oh, good. But if you do if you do that in under 30, 30 seconds for rounds four to ten, you yeah. get the little the little girl waving at the screen, and you get a ten thousand points. You get a big bonus for that. 
and later on in the game, which we haven't done, you've done that one, haven't you? You yeah. managed to do that, which is well done, you. Just, uh... I had no chance of doing it. Abs- I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't even do a level in less than 21 seconds. Yeah. And I only ever managed to pick up 19 of the chicks on the bonus level with Manette. I couldn't do 20. It was really frustrating me. See, those levels are great as well. They're such a fun bonus game, that is. They're not. They're really annoying. You slide around like a slidey idiot. You've got to get used to it. Duck <laughs> fool. <laughs> you got to get used to the inertia. Once no, you've got it. I, do not, I cannot do inertia in games. And you can control your four. You can control your jumps. It becomes a sublime experience. You're saying sublime, which is actually code for junk. <laughs> I, I absolutely hate Gravatar. I love the look of the game. Hate Gravatar's controls. Yeah. Hate Lunar Lander. Hate yeah. Thrust. Hate yeah. any of those games of inertia. I just, I just do not, cannot in my tiny mind work those games out. God. No, for me. On to these bonus points, right? If you okay. can do round 12 to 18 in a similar way rescue all eight popos in yeah. under 35 seconds for these rounds oh you get a bit longer okay you get a fifty thousand bonus Ooh. and like a pengo kind of guy dancing oh brilliant because that was a sega game as well wasn't it yeah oh brilliant and this is where the points ramp up yes so if level 20 to 26 if you can do them in under 40 seconds of rescue everybody you get a hundred thousand bonus whoa up to level 34 you get a half million bonus oh my lord up to level 42 you get a one million bonus yeah that's where some of our twitter followers and, and players have been getting these big scores from isn't it yeah and up to the end of it level 50 you get another one million so you can get three million almost in bonuses whoa after the first loop that sounds like the uk bankers yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate them bankers. <laughs> so the world record, which has been beaten, this is the one that's been recorded, is four million five hundred and forty eight thousand five hundred and forty by a guy called Jonathan Long from way back in nineteen eighty six. And I'm sure you've beaten that, yes? Oh god no. Heck no. No. So Shall we do some scores? Yes. The, the best score, just before, um, this wasn't part of the competition, but the best score we've had from our Twitter friends is John Monkus. He got 8,412,000 points scored in June of last year. We yeah. didn't quite include that in the competition because he did it before, but one of these for him for such a colossal score. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So let's go from the bottom to the top, shall we? Okay, we have 14 players this time, so that is a brilliant turn. Everyone's got on it, apart from me, really. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Andrew Driver, 41,000. Thank you for playing, Andrew. Rob, from the Player Missile Podcast, 132,000. And he's now put, as he calls it, Slippy Duck in his new cab. So he's got Pac-Man and Slippy Duck in there. Okay. And he added a new button just ah, the this thing game. About this, I asked, I asked Rob about this. Um, I said, well, you haven't got any, got any buttons on it. And he's making modular panels for his cab, rather like what I'm doing with my little cabaret cabinet. Yeah. I'm gonna, I've, the one I've got at the moment, the original one, is a one stick in the middle, two buttons either side of it for left or right-handed play, and that's it. It's minimal, that's it. And the panel he did first was just one joystick for Pac-Man, Frogger, Ladybug, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And he's going to do other ones. So my next one is the trackball stroke spinner panel. Yeah. And then I'm going to do a two-joystick one with one button in the middle for playing Rescue and Robotron and all them kind of games. Excellent. Yes. Next, we have Paul Hayhurst, 113,000. 
and Greg Pell, 121,000. Thank you. I'm so Wayne. glad I'm not last, at least. And then we have Victor Marland. I got roughly seven. Yes, I got 160,000, but I think I got a little bit more than that. I might have got up to 180,000. Yeah. But the SDL name on my Mac sucks so hard. It doesn't save high scores. I'm, I'm really having a hard time with because I went over to a Mac fully now for my home computer. Yeah. And I'm having a real hard time playing MAME on it because the Mac MAME, I just do not like it. I, I'm yeah. going to set up a PC just somewhere out of the way just to use for the podcast. Yeah. Just yeah, to get in, getting the sounds off MAME and playing it easily. And I know I use that really well, so I'm going to do that. Mm. So I think about 160, say 160, 180,000. I, I had a little bit of a go of it. Didn't really like it, unfortunately, and sort of got a reasonable reasonable score, I think, for me. Mm. Did you get the hang of the bounce? You know when you jump once? Yes. You're jumping in the air. If you keep your finger on the jump button again, you will bounce immediately when you hit the ground, and that is so useful. Did you no, know No, I that? didn't. No. That's why I got such a rubbish score. I'd have got, I would have got 8 million if I'd known that. Oh, probably. shame. It only works once. Yeah, one bounce, but it's so useful. Oh, anyway, okay. did not know that. Mr. Ed Horse with his hooves. With his hooves. A remarkable achievement. Two hundred and fifteen thousand. Good. Good score. Madsteven.com. Mm-hmm. Two hundred and ninety-seven thousand. Getting good scores now. Mr. Tronads, even though he hated it, he's got three hundred and fifteen thousand. He kind of hated it that much. He kept playing it. He did. He was playing it last night. Mm-hmm. His competitive edge was coming out. I know kept chafing his ankles to stop him getting a high score yeah. Ben son of Happy Dude UK long name he got 424,000 he is the son of Mark who I was playing with last night like father like son because dad guy in his 20s just had a quick go and got that score so his dad won't let him play anymore and oh. dad, dad just beat him with yeah. 449,000 ah hang on I've got that wrong have you? yes he actually got 498,000 Okay. Um, that's, go, go to Chris Smith first. Then yeah, Chris on. Smith, who suggested this game to us. Thanks, Chris. Thank you very much. I love it. He yeah, got, cheers, Chris. He got 480,000. Yeah, and Dad. And then Mark ben. got 498,000. I've not that's, updated this score sheet. That's really good. And then, who's then next? me. In third place, 548,000 is me. That's pretty good, but... You know, and we then, went from the scores like mine to the good yeah. scores. Now we get to the astronomical superhuman scores. Yeah, the work, the unofficial world record holder, John Munkus in Arkansas. He Arkansas? Got, is that like Arkansas? Is that what it is? Yes. I, I wonder where Arkansas was. I used to call it that as well. <laughs> is it Arkansas? Yeah. I wonder why I've never heard of Arkansas. He's in Arkansas, everyone. I, I need to get one of them map things and look at America, don't I? You do. Yeah, what are they called? Atlas, yeah. And 6.7 of your Earth millions. Whoa. Whoa. And then, top, and this is a first for the podcast, Mm. we have a girl. (laughs) Yes, Danielle Uh, Robbins. Danielle Robbins. Well done, Danielle. She got 6.9 rounding off million points. Yeah. She is the best. Yeah. She's got one of these. She is the girlfriend of Doc Mack from The Galloping Ghost. And I saw on Facebook a while back, he gave her a flicky machine for one of her birthdays. So that's wow. really cool. And she is such a good games player. Yeah. But I think it's not just because she's got a machine at home. She used to play this, I think, when she was a kid with the Mega Drive. So she's always been good at it. Well done, Danielle. You're getting one of these. 
And... A resonant ping. That's resonant ping for being brilliant at Flicky. That is an amazing score. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to carry on playing this because I think it's fantastic. I'm it not. It's a masterpiece of game design. You've got left, right, and fire. There's nothing... Uh, jump, sorry. There is nothing simpler in arcade games than that, really. Yes, but it's, there's a massive depth to it. There's what? a lot simpler games than that. Star Trigon's only got one button. That's not arcade game, though. It is. It's... All right, then. Damn. <laughs> I have to rethink that bit. And Pac-Man's but, just got a joystick. Oh, shut up. Anyway, dope. Oh. It's just a fantastically designed, almost perfect. I'm going, I wouldn't change anything about it. I, I strongly disagree. It annoyed <laughs> the heck out of me. And I, think, I honestly think it would be better if it had one more button for firing your projectiles. That would be better, I think. And the inertia, if it was a little, maybe a little bit less inertia... Mm. I just got I just got frustrated with bouncing off stuff and bouncing into stupid cats. When you and get frustrated and you're panicking, you start bouncing off of everything. Yeah, that's fight. what I was doing yeah. early. And also, you get chicks later on who've got little sunglasses on. Yeah. And I think they're the cool, annoying chicks. When you lose them, they disappear and they run off. You have to chase them. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> the other chicks just hang around. Yeah. 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 I used to like it, and I like the idea of it. Now, I'm never going to play it again. <laughs> I'm going to burn it from my history. I love it. I really do. So there were some ports of this game as well. At mm. the time of the arcade release, it was also on Japanese home machines. The SG-1000, the MSX, Sharp X1, the Fujitsu FM7, and the NEC PC-8801. It was also released in 1991 for the Mega Drive and the Genesis, which is a really good version. If you want to play on something other than MAME or an arcade club, where they have the original machine, mm. which you should go and play it there, you can get it on Sonic Mega Collection or Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection. To tell you what I played it on, or I did originally try it on. Calculator? No, I had a plug. One of these plug and play Mega Drive things. Oh yes, yeah, they, it, they are. And it was a, it was Sonic, and it had like Doctor Robotnik's Mean Beam Machine. That is a brilliant game. And it had Flicky on. Yeah. And I gave it a quick go. Thought no, kids game don't like. But you know, shouldn't have done that. Like those those colourful Sonic games, I do like them. They're very well designed. Mm. Apart from this one having the rubbish controls. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's that game out the way. Shall we do a bit of art of side art? Yes, this is a good one. This is one you've picked, Vic. Take it away, baby. This is a game called Mappy. Mm. You are a micro-mouse policeman. Mm. This game is unique in the shape of the cabinet. It's a very squat little cabinet, but on top of it, it's got a light box marquee, and it's 22 by 16 and a half inches tall. It's massive. <laughs> it's absolutely huge. It's so colourful. It's got red, orange, yellow, green, and blue writing of Mappy in a really cool pointy font, which I really like. Mm. It's got a big picture of your big, big micro-police mouse, Mappy on the left-hand side, and it's got little bits of platforms in the house of the silly... They also like Cheshire cats grinning at you. They're the ones chasing you around, stopping you getting your TVs and your, your little things you've got to pick on your radios and stuff. And the cabinet's got red T-mold in. It's a really odd-shaped-looking thing. Yeah. And it's got a speaker at the back of the cab, above the, the monitor, which is a really odd place to put a, a speaker, but really cool. And it's got a, this huge this huge marquee, the orange orangey-red T-mold in. Mark, uh, it's got a yellow plexi around the bezel of the screen which has got a picture of your, your micro police on the side and a picture of the bad cat on the right hand side and with little instructions sent out to play it and a little colourful writing again 
You've got one joystick in the middle, left and right only, with one button. Reminds you of something. Mm. With little pictures on the, on the control panel as well, with one player, two player, little mouse and the cat again. And on the front of that control panel, you've got a little picture again with little mice and stuff and cats pointing at each other. And even better than that, more the side art is huge on the side of it. The side art is really cool of a policeman, your little mouse police chasing around with his little baton and a little house in the background, Bally Midway. And on the front of the cab, even more art, where the coin mech sort of drawer is, the, t- the, the door, there's, it looks like one the mouse policeman is hiding behind it. He's poking his head at the side of it. And also on the other side is one of the cats. Absolutely adorable little machine. I really like it. And our friend Muddy Music Ollie has got one of these original. Yeah. If I ever get down to Cornwall, where he lives, which is quite well, very south for us, isn't it? Mm. I'm going to have a go of it. I'd love to see this in the flesh. It's such a lovely looking machine. Really, nice. And the game is really cutesy. It's one of those games where I really like, I'm not very good at, and we might cover one day. I'm thinking this, and do you know who's really good at this? Oh, don't tell me, Charlie Farr? No, Tronads is really good at this. Oh, we're not playing it then. No, no. no. <laughs> yeah. Okay then, mate, let's do your section. Releases from this month in history. Right, we are going back 10 years to February 2006. 2000? <laughs> I was going to say 2006, which sounds rubbish, sir. You can say 2006 if you like. Ah, oh, will do. Metal Slug 6. Great game. From SNK Playmore. I don't know if I've played 6. I get mixed up with them, actually. I have played 6. Uh, it's on the the Sammy Thomas Wave hardware, which is um, a cartridge and a motherboard. Yeah. I have played it. I can't remember where. Maybe my mate Nathan's place. He had, he had one of those things. Mm. Must have done. Okay. Metal Slug was well into its stride by then. And still going strong. Those games are still good. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Going back 20 years, February 96, Battle Garega by Eiting. Is it Eiting or Eiting? I always say Eiting. Eiting and Rising. Yeah. Which which is like a spin-off kind of from Toaplan. A highly regarded vertical shooter and an early example of bullet hell. And the graphics have always been lauded on this because they're so good. Meh. You don't like it? This is great. It's the same as all the other games. The no, same as not. Battle Backraid and all them other ones. They're the same, different skins. Carry on. Battle Backraid's a sequel. Oh, is it? To this, yeah. 1986, 30 years. Spelunker. Ooh. From IREM. This is one of those unusual times. It doesn't happen very often that a home console game or a computer game. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was an old Commodore 64, I think, Apple II game. Yeah, it gets ported to the arcade instead of the other way around. Wow, cool. The same happened with um, Boulder Dash. Yeah. yeah. And Pitfall 2. I think. I think Spelunker and Boulder Dash were by Broderbund. Yes. Originally. No, Boulder Dash was first star software. Oh, never mind. Good games, though. Really mm. good games. Um, Spelunker is a favourite of Aaron Hickman. Mm. From Retro Obscura. He loves that game because a, a more modern version came out a little while ago called Spelunky. Yeah, you can play it on a kind of a flash kind of thing, can't you? Spelunker is a real. Marmite game. You either love it or absolutely hate it. You can die from falling like two steps off of a ladder. Mm. It's a very frustrating game, I think. Looks cool, but very frustrating, yeah. Right, going back 35 years to 1981, February. Good year. The Immortal Gorf. Oh, great game. And MAME Info says, Gorf was the first game ever to show multiple scenes. Yeah, I believe that. Is that right? Yeah, I'd have thought so. 
mm. very early for different levels. Because basically, Gorf is just Galaxian Space Invaders, a sort of version of Phoenix, and some other similar games all put together. But they were yeah. licensed by the same company who owned all those IPs, so it was good. Mm-hmm. But Gorf on a PC or a main, or a main machine is nothing special. Play on a proper cabinet, it just transforms into a great game. I do like it on a proper cab. And so do the, I. the good thing about it is as fast as you press the button, the fire button, mm-hmm. the bullets come out, but your bullets cancel each other out. So if you press the fire button, the bullet will go to the top. Yeah, if you let go it. of it, it stops, doesn't it? Yeah, you keep, you keep pressing it. You've got a very short-range fire. Yeah, it's such a good game, though, on yeah. a real cab, because you've got the speech coming out of the cab, you've got the, the lighty-up joystick, and it's sort of an analogue joystick as well. It's got a trigger on it. Yeah. And you get different lights come on the cab as well, and it tells you different levels you are on LEDs. It's really, on the, yeah, really on the cool. bezel, yeah, Space Captain or whatever. And really nice game. Another good game from the February 81 was Scramble. You're not wrong there, young man. Very good game. I love Scramble. Mm. One of those games, it took me 26 years to loop. <laughs> yeah. I used to play it as a kid in a youth club type thing on a little estate I used to work, uh, live on. My dad used to work there. He was a prison officer. And it was like a prison officer's club. And they had a tabletop version of it. And I used to watch the big kids completing it and wished I could do it because I can only like, get to the fireball level when I was a kid. Mm. And I kept playing it on different versions. And when MAME came out, or I discovered MAME. We used to play it on there. And one day I actually looped it. I, absolutely, I was cock and indeed a hoop. I did it. <laughs> and I can do it usually every couple of times I play it now. I can get yeah. it at least once. But after you've looped it once, your fuel goes down very, very quickly. And it's very difficult to keep, keep it up. Mm, it's a good game. It is Absolutely a- brilliant game. Love the game. Right, that is it from the releases from this month in history. Thank you for that, young man. Thank you. And before we go, off well, two things before we go, one thing we should cover, next show's game. Okay, it's my choice. Uh-oh. And I, I bet want- it's going to have bullets in it. I, I wanted you. to do a shooter because I was getting a bit... Oh, really? A bit twitchy about not doing a shooter for five or six podcasts. Oh, my Lord. Go on. So, but I wanted to pick one that you like, and you only like the really old ones, don't you? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. So. yeah, yeah. I know you like some of the newer ones. You like Gawanga and... Gawanga, yeah, that's a great game. What was that one we were playing at your house the other week? Oh, we played a few. Um, Raiden 3 and 4 are good, by the way, aren't they? Yeah, they're very good. Yeah, all the Raiden series. I don't like the Raiden fighters too much. They're a bit too quick for me. Mad. Yeah. Yeah, they were good. Mm. So I have picked Astro Blaster. Ooh. From Sega Gremlin 1981. Good year. It's a great little game. From what I remember, I'm going to have to get back into it again. Yep. And it's actually, there is no settings. There's just three lives. So if we play it three lives. Okay. Uh, the default ROM on MAME is version 3. Yep. And I reckon me and you, it'll be pretty close on this. I reckon it'll be... It's a good little game. Yeah, it's good mm. tactics in this game. Mm, and there's is there hidden bonuses somewhere? I believe there is. I should be swatting up on those so I can get them to beat you. Beat yes. Your <laughs> yes. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one, I think. And so then, Astro Blaster for the next two weeks, kids. I will also give out a little hint for the one we're going to do after that. It's going to be a bit of a special. Yes. Mm, no more to be said. Ha 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 ha. We shall talk off mic. <laughs> Get off mic. Leave him alone. <laughs> right, okay. We're just about to go, but you have a little note at the end here with yes. your fa- fantasy, Final Fantasy cab list change. What's going out of your arcade that's in your mind? In our perfect 10 games in our mind, in a, in a perfect little arcade, I am taking out eyes. <gasps> no eyes. T- don't take your eyes out. You need your eyes. 
No, these are these are. Uh, never mind. And I'm putting in Flicky. Oh, what is wrong with you? It's great. The cabinet on Flicky mm. isn't that interesting either, is it? Actually, no, it's not brilliant. Mm. The, the control panel just got a few lines on it. Lines and lines. Lines and lines. The marquee's all right. Okay. Mm. So out with eyes, in with Flicky. And I, I am going to carry on playing Flicky. I want to get up to a million if, if that is possible for my skill level. Okay, good for you. And also, I've just interviewed Alan Meads from the Arcade Tales comic... Oh, cool. I don't know if anyone's heard about this, but you will hear it in the interview, and we'll put this right at the end. Yeah, also, show notes for that comic book on the website. Mm. So enjoy the interview, and we'll talk to you in two weeks' time. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Goodbye. Hi, Alan. How are you doing? Welcome yeah. to the Pence Arcade Podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> for people who don't know, can you tell us a bit about your project, Arcade Tales, please? Yeah, Arcade Tales is a project based upon trying to find stories from people back in the arcades, so what they used to do, what they used to play, how they used to feel about the arcades. And then what I'm doing is I'm interviewing people, I'm kind of collating these stories and then turning them into comics to then go out and kind of spread the word and then get more people interested in, really. That's the plan. Oh, that's excellent. Could you give us a quick review of your first comic for people that haven't read it yet? Because it's really good. The first comic is all about a chap called Martin and his uh, four-year-long obsession with Nemesis down in the arcades in, um, in Thanet, so Margate, Broadstairs, Ramsgate. Yeah. This chap um, learns to one-credit-complete Nemesis. He also goes up against a, a Nemesis expert from back in the arcades, and also has a, uh, a tangle with a, a, a schoolgirl who he goes to school with who managed to thrash him with yeah. as well. So it's a mix of lots of different things going on. So yeah. that, that's, that's what that one's all about. But, but really, Arcade Terms is trying to capture loads of stuff. So his was a story all about the games. I'm working on Arcade Tales number two that's all about um, a, a fruit machine player who used to make, for a teenage boy, he used to make 40 to 50 pounds a day working through all the fruit machines along an arcade strip. Um, and I'm trying to get like all these different stories, so not just the ones about the games, but trying to get a sense of what happened in the arcades. Wow. Oh, that sounds excellent. One thing that I quite liked about the first comic is the, the detailed account of the, the gameplay in Gradius. You, you went into like a maybe two-page um, description of how good it was. Is that something that you're interested in the gameplay as well? Yeah, because I think it has to be all of it. Because for me, going down the arcades was about the games. It was about the people that were in the arcades. It was all about the culture, the kind of community that was there. But definitely playing the games was really, really important. Learning the tricks, learning the secrets. To be fair, I was never as dedicated as Martin ever was or, or, or ever really any good at these games. But um, yeah, playing them is really critical. And I suppose what I normally do is I write books about stuff like this. And yeah. honestly, no one really reads it. I got a, a royalty check from Routledge the other day saying, last year you made £50 on royalties. So <laughs> right. you're spending years doing research and thinking about it and writing it all up. And then maybe 100 people read it. So part of this plan is to move into comics. Not saying that all of a sudden you do a comic and everyone will read it, but maybe it will reach a, just a broader audience and be a bit softer and might make a bit more sense to people. So 
that's why talking about the games and explaining them becomes critical because I give this comic to my daughter and she makes sense of it, but she's never played Nemesis or Gradius before, so it's critical that I explain the game as well. Yeah, so it's, it's more accessible, isn't it, I think, maybe a comic? And, and you're giving it away for free. Is, is that something you're going to um, continue to do? It is. The way this works is I work as a, a lecturer at Canterbury Christchurch University, and they fund me to do this research. So this is yeah. this builds upon you know fifteen years of, of different research that I've done, and now it's moved into these comics. So part of doing research is to get it out to people. So I'd very much like to keep well, I'd very much like to keep printing them and giving them out for free, as well as having the online free comics. So at no point do I intend to charge. All the while that I can keep getting funding to do the research and get it out there. Mm, excellent i like the art style in it as well it's it's is it hand drawn and then you, you're using a computer program to fill in the colors is that right yeah it's uh, the thing is I'm not, I'm not an illustrator i've done a bit of illustration before but nothing major so probably the best way of describing it is uh judicious tracing so i'm taking lots of photos uh using lots of reference images and then working over them digitally and so it's it's kind of hand drawn with copious use of reference material let's put it that way uh, I thought so. I went to Margate last year for a event called Play Margate. I don't know if you you saw yeah, that. I was there. I was there. Yeah. Oh wow! And I remember going trying to go to Dreamland at night, and it was closed. I got there too late, so I went into a bar and sat there thinking, you know, what can I do next? And that bar is exactly captured in one of the panels in your comic, <laughs> which is outside of Dreamland. I thought, oh, it's spot on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do quite a lot of work with with Dreamland. So um, a couple of years back. One of my colleagues was doing some photography work there before they did the restoration. And that's where I spotted the broken down Kensei Magora machine. I don't know if you, you saw about that. This Street Fighter 2 Whack-A-Mole. Yes. Yeah. And so I spotted that there. I went and saw the then head of um, the Dreamland Trust and said, hang about, before you strip everything out there, you've got, I think, some really important machines here. Can I get in there and have a look? I went in there, did an audit, found two of these machines, not just one. So... At that point, they didn't exist on the uh, the main archive, so there were no known versions of it, and there were two in Margate. So we managed to repair one of them, get them all up and running, and um, it's now up on MAME as well. So I, oh, I excellent. Quite, yeah, I, I work quite closely with the Dreamland in relation to their arcade side of things, but it is slightly tricky that you have commercial arcade operators working in a heritage park. So the bit that I want to get going is the idea of a kind of a vintage arcade, but um, that still hasn't happened yet. So we, we live in, well, what can I say? I, I dream. I still hope that we can do that in the future. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you said your next one's going to be about fruit machines. What Have you got sort of loads of stuff lined up um, to research and to get going at? Like you've got in your comic, you've got like penny pushers, grabbers, pinballs. Have you got sort of loads of extra material already or is it an ongoing thing? It's, it's an ongoing thing. I've got about two or three stories kind of, stacked up but i'd say let me say one of them still needs a bit more work because the idea is that although it'd be lovely if there was someone that says i've got this story that i need to tell you it illustrates everything like martin's one did yeah really there'll be lots of people that will just give you a a little anecdote and the story becomes a composite of all of these different bits because part part of the reason of doing this comic and sending it out is saying to people hang about you spending time down the arcade your memories are important they're important Mm. in terms of heritage and in terms of culture you know, people said to me, oh, all I used to do was just 
hang around down the arcade. You don't want to hear about that. And I say, yes, I do. And then you find out the way that people played in them, the way that the arcade was a central part of either growing up or seaside life or just part of their entertainment. And it's, it's really important because this kind of stuff is not documented. It doesn't exist because people don't think it's important, don't think it needs to be recorded. Yes, like me, me and like all the, the group of people I hang around with, you know, like we're all arcade fanatics. We just talk about it, but nothing's ever written down. And eventually, you know, in a hundred years, people are going to be saying, what was all the fuss about? I think from the video games point of view, I think the games will still be there and they'll be historically documented. But what you're doing is coming at it from a personal point of view, aren't you? That's it. That's it. What I want to document is the, the other side of it, the arcade culture. Yeah, so I think you're completely right. We'll have um, games in kind of heritage condition. You know, we'll keep replacing the chips, we'll keep replacing the caps, and all that kind of stuff. We've also got Mame to give us a good idea of how these games work as well. But we've got no real idea of how arcades worked. Like, think about arcade photos. How many photographs of arcades have you seen? You know, you you've yeah. seen quite a few. But compared to compared to photographing almost any other subject, who took a camera down the arcade? <laughs> yeah, no, you mean not a lot, yeah. Interestingly, I've got a um, I've, there's a chap that I'm working with at the moment who is a a, a classically trained um, photographer. So he went to Newport University back in the well, it must have been the seventies, and then he was a bingo caller for two years. And in his breaks, he'd take out his camera and sneakily take photos of the punters, you know, without the uh, the arcade manager knowing. And he's got <laughs> an archive of amazing photos, you know. You might have seen the there's the Ira Norinsky archive at Harvard University that has about 300 or maybe 600 photos like this. But this is how rare and how important this kind of stuff is. No one documented it. No one thought it was important. And now we're scrabbling around saying, hang about, we need to document this because, as you said, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, it's gone. Yeah, there is a series of videos that someone put up on one of the forums from the from the early 80s to the early 90s and they're just like five minute little clips that someone's put on i'll have to try and find a link for you they're re- they're fascinating you know just the the people walking around and the games and they're like the people just smoking cigarettes and having a laugh and it's just fascinating to watch you know playing defender and street fighter and all that lot yeah i, I know exactly the ones you mean ah I, right i'd already downloaded those i got a got a dodgy copy somehow but yeah that, that's the um it's kind of the, the traveling fair, isn't it? There's an annual fair. Yes, yeah. The arcade component. Yeah, yeah it's, it's absolutely riveting stuff. And it, it's, it just feels so real. It feels what I remember. Mm. So, Alan, how can people contact you if they want to? Okay, there are a couple of ways. You can go straight to the Arcade Tales website. That's www.arcadetales.co.uk. Now, that is a Facebook website at the moment. The idea is to spin it out to a proper website yeah. at some point. And I know that not everyone's um, keen to go onto Facebook, and that's that's fair enough. Uh, alternatively, people can get in contact with me directly. Um, so email me at alan.meads at canterbury.ac.uk. Yeah. Um, they're, they're probably the best best ways to do it, and um, I, yeah, I guess that's the best way. Right. Okay. So, so kids, if you've got any arcade tales for Alan, get in touch with him. And thank you very much, Alan. Thank you very much, Sean. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.tenpencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at tenpencearcade.co.uk. You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me 
at Tenpence Arcade, and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. <laughs>